Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of the Orton Gillingham podcast. Today, we're joined by Isabella Martin, a broadcast journalism student at Michigan State University and BrainSpring's marketing and editorial intern. Isabella is passionate about multisensory education because she has dyscalculia and ADHD. She joins us to share her perspective as a student with a learning difference. Welcome, Isabella. Hello, thank you so much for having me. Yay, I'm so happy to see your face. <laughs> um, full disclosure, I said this before, before we were recording, but uh, Isabella did babysit for me. <laughs> <laughs> And she's amazing. And I I just like her, everything about her. And she goes to Michigan (laughs) State. Yeah, go green. Yeah, go white. Super exciting. Thanks for joining us, Isabella. Um, You know, many people with learning differences claim that there are parts and or advantages to having those learning differences that I think we need to elaborate on. So if you, what would you say was your strength or superpower with having a learning difference that, what advantages do you see that giving you? Yeah, so my learning disability is something that I would have never imagined saying I'm thankful for. It has, you know, given me so many superpowers that I have a hard time picking one, but I will pick one. Um, I would say that my superpower that it's given me is my voice. You know, um, all of the years that I've had, you know, encountering people with learning disabilities without and, you know, with other differences, I've kind of built up um, this, you know, voice of mine to speak for these people and just, you know, do things like I am right now which is speaking about my learning disability and hoping that someone else out there is listening and they can you know, relate to me or I can help them. So my voice. That's a very uh, altruistic superpower. You're an advocate. That's a very altruistic one. What about you know, scaling small buildings? No? <laughs> you can't do that? I'm not Spider-Man. I really ah. wish that it gave me that, but no. Ah, okay. <laughs> so not mine. to put you on the spot, but could you pick a second one? Maybe one that, so your voice helps so many others. Honestly, when people listen to this, I think parents or students, they're going to get a, a brand new perspective. And I think it brings a lot of hope too, to, to, parents who are struggling to understand what to do in these situations um, when their own child is uh, struggling with something. And, and I almost said suffering, but in some ways they do suffer through some of these things because it can be extremely hard. Yeah. But what about something a little bit more selfish? Um, Well, this kind of goes hand in hand with my voice, but it's given me empathy and mm. the ability to feel other people's, you know, struggles in a way, mm. you know, I'm not going to sit here and say I'm the, I'm a perfect person and I can feel everybody's struggles, but 
I truly believe that the struggles that I have gone through have shaped me to be more empathetic and like I said, understanding and using my voice and just kind of being there for people. Yeah. So no, in, that's in, in using your voice, you know, how old were you when you realized that you were different or that you had struggles that you didn't observe other people having? Yeah. So that's a good question. And as an elementary schooler, I first started struggling when I was in first grade. I knew I was different when my dad repeatedly said to me, Isabella, like, let's count to 100 together. And I was like, this is not fun. I don't want to count to 100. And I didn't count to 100 with him. So I never practiced. And then I started getting pulled out and, you know, going to different classes when my peers were doing math. And I was confused, but like I said, as a first grader, I was kind of like, well, you know, I get to go to a different classroom. That's kind of fun. Yeah. It was kind of like a highlight thing, right? Like kind of like a, yeah. When you're younger, you think it's like a positive thing. Like it's fun. As you started, as you started, you know, growing up and navigating through the education system, I guess you could say, how do you feel your voice was when you were that first grader and how did it develop along the way as you started going through elementary school, junior high, high school? Did you find that you had supports around you that kind of nurtured that voice to grow or do you feel like there could have been something more out there if was available that would have helped that a little bit more or you didn't Mm -hmm. feel so alone? Yeah, so in elementary school and even as an eighth grader in middle school, all the way up to middle school, I would say I did not have a voice. I felt discouraged. I didn't feel confident in my abilities, math, social situations, talking. I felt, you know, just not good in lack of better words. And then as a high schooler, I um, got a teacher who really uplifted me and just gave me courage. And he told me his name is Mr. Call. He was my IEP caseload teacher at Rochester Adams. And he was truly the first teacher that I felt believed in me and verbalized that belief. And that was one thing that I needed, you know, as a senior and even a junior in high school, when I was going through the application process for college. And I was talking to my parents and I was like, I don't know if I'll make it. Like, I'm not good enough. Even though I had, you know, a GPA that most of my friends had and people that I knew got into, you know, the schools that I was applying to, I still felt like that little voice in my head, that little third grader was saying, nope, you're not going to go to college. But Mm -hmm. I had Mr. Call say, you can do it. You need to apply. You're good enough and you will make it. So that was truly just the best thing that could have happened for me as a high schooler. Is that like in the, when you were talking about social situations, um, like feeling like disconnected in that way, is that from the self-esteem piece of it? Like, because I think of you as a very social person, like you're Mm -hmm. very easy to talk to. You're very sociable, like, you know, so when you were younger, was that from self-confidence, self-esteem? Is that what that was from? 
Yeah, well, thank you, first of all. And, you know, that I feel like that's one thing that's lost in translation um, with students like me who have learning differences is it really affects your self-esteem. It affects every area of your life. Driving, um, that's one thing that I can say. Mm-hmm. Uh, like I said, social situations. And um, I talked about as a first grader finding out that, you know, I was for, like different. And then when I got to third grade and fourth grade, when I really started to grasp, okay, I truly am different. Math is really hard and my friends are not struggling this much that's when I kind of was like I'm weird I'm not like other people and I didn't like see at that time that being weird or being different is good Mm -hmm. I saw it as the worst thing ever and every time I would leave that classroom to go um, learn math in a different room I was asked by you know, um, boys and girls, oh, where are you going, Isabella? Why are you leaving? Why do you leave every morning? And I would say, oh, like, I get math help. And then it started to become a daily occurrence of why are you leaving? And I would have to repeat myself every day. And it soon became like, I don't want to leave. I just want to stay here. I want to learn with my friends. Like, why do I have to go somewhere else? Yeah, it's like a big neon sign on a poor little kid. And especially when younger kids can't grasp that or understand. But I also think it's the responsibility of parents when they're young like this to explain to them, like one of the major mantras in our house is, hey, we're all weird. The weirder you are, the better sometimes. And I say, Gray, you're a little too weird. That's my son's name. I'm just kidding. But he, but that's, I think that's part of the social responsibility of the community to say, it's okay to be different. It's okay if somebody needs a little extra help. It's okay if this, you can't be perfect at everything, Mm -hmm. right? But Mm -hmm. I can understand that and how stigmatizing that can be. It's a little like being pulled out every single day. Um, Yes, it was definitely a struggle and you know one specific example that I have never forgotten about that is like ingrained in my memory and I will probably never forget about this is when I was in third grade we all sat around in a circle every single day and the teacher picked one new student each day to count you know they she'd give them a specific number say four and say Isabella count to four and um pick on Abby and you know that would just be a thing and I remember one day I was the student that was told Isabella okay you're going to count to six say six that's that's a specific number but um Mm -hmm. and so I went around the circle and instead of counting to six I counted to five because I was so nervous and obviously numbers are not my strong suit and um after that my teacher pulled me aside and gave me a sticky note and said, Isabella, go to the special ed room and um, your specific teacher will help you with something. And I am like above average in reading and writing and anything language arts. Math is my struggle. And so obviously I'm gonna read the note, the sticky note. And the sticky note said, Isabella cannot count to 10, help her count to 10. And 
I knew how to count to probably a thousand at that point. And that was just the most, it felt like a ton of bricks just fell down. Like I was like oh punched God. in the gut. Cause I was like, mm-hmm. I like kind of questioning myself. Do I know how to count to 10? Right. Like, what did I do wrong? Like, and then I, you know, I came home and I was so upset. And I think I remember saying specifically to my mom, why do I have to be different? Why did this happen to me? And, you know, like I said earlier, now I see this as my strength, having learning disability. But, you know, as that little girl, it was the worst thing to happen in the world, being different. Well, I'm sorry, but you put anybody on the spot. If they, if somebody told me, Katie, count to 10 on the spot. And I was in front of a bunch of people and I was nervous. I'd probably like uh, one, two, nine, uh, you know, like, and then to have you be the messenger of that, that's, first of all, that's not good practice, but so that's terrible that you had to go through that. Oh, Jeez. No, um, from the perspective, so I was a special education teacher for 30 years and I saw, of course, all of a lot of my students grapple with this journey through elementary school. One of the things that I always push them to do is ask for help. Let the teachers know when you need a test read or if you're having struggles. A lot of them tried to hide what they needed. And I don't know if it was just because it's so painful and you don't want to always ask because you're so vulnerable to how difficult it is, but to actually have a voice and say, I need this because my fear was when they went to middle school, you know, you have so many different teachers at that time that they're seeing 200 students a day and they're not don't they don't have just this little pod to understand they have just half of the school to understand and I wanted them to know that it was okay it's okay to ask when you don't understand and it's okay this but then to make sure that teachers have build a culture in which that's accepted and then so that you're not humiliating kids for asking for help and you're not you're actually encouraging them to Yeah. Can you think, and I know this might put you on the spot a little bit, but can you think of situations where you felt that the teacher was understanding or what did she do that helped you use your voice in school? Mm -hmm. Now I'll use the word empathy again, Mm -hmm. because it didn't matter if, you know, the teacher that I asked for help could explain the problem to me or You know, it didn't matter if I actually could understand it. All that mattered was that she treated me like everybody else. And she, you know, I asked her the question and she would say, okay, like, let me help you through this in a kind, calm manner. You know, the teachers that would treat me kind of like the question was dumb or, you know, they didn't outright say that's a dumb question, but facial expression, you know, it's all, it all <clears throat> is put together. And I, I know there people pick up on that. Yes, too. I could yeah. read people very well. And, you know, those moments when I would ask the question, and the teacher would be very, you know, empathetic to me and try at least try to help me, that would really uplift me. And, 
it would, you know, click in my brain saying, okay, you can ask another question. Like, it's okay. And then when I would get the teachers that would treat me differently and kind of react weirdly to my question, that would be like a automatic switch in my brain. Okay, don't ask a question for another two weeks. You know, you're, that's not, you're dumb. You don't know anything. Yeah. So I'd shut down. Do you feel like you may have um, scared them in some ways that they just, when you ask a question, they weren't sure how to help? Did you ever get that feeling that, that you, they were uncomfortable with you when you asked questions? You know, I never really thought about it that way. But from a teacher's perspective, I can definitely see how they would feel uncomfortable or kind of maybe nervous to answer a question of mine because, you know, I was on the outside looking like a student like everybody else, but on the inside, it just didn't connect with me. So I think many of them saw that when they tried to teach me and I wouldn't learn it. And I'd learn maybe, I mean, this is, could be just me. I don't know, maybe other people with dyscalculia are faced with this, but sometimes the harder way would make more sense to me. And that would just blow teachers' minds because they'd say to me, okay, Isabella, this is a much easier way than the way you're doing it. This is how you do it. And I'd completely, it would just slip my memory. Like I would not understand it at all. And then I'd, you know, try it my way, the way that my dad probably taught me. And I'd get it right. And they'd be like, oh, oh, okay. They'd just be very confused and just, you know, you know, that kind of leads into this multisensory teaching approach that we're all in love with, for one thing. But, you know, a lot of us that are older, even though we, a lot of, and I'm talking about teachers that are older, we didn't learn this way. I, I didn't learn to read by separating phonemes or learn to spell that way. But now I'm, we're teaching kids how to do that in that approach you, in a completely different way than we learned we assume the easy way is the way we learned. So we think that we'll teach them the easy way. And in turn, as I'm teaching children differently now, that's the easy way. I learned the hard, the hard way. And so it's just interesting, the different strategies that just because you learned a certain way, that's not the be all and end all way to learn. And it's not Mm -hmm. that you pigeonhole everyone into that way either. So it's, it's amazing to me that uh, people have different learning styles because it's really fascinating how differently you approach a problem than someone else. And so it is. Yeah. And that's why I love BrainSpring and the multi-sensory approach that they take, because as a kid, I did get tutored at BrainSpring for three years. And when using the multi-sensory blocks, the tens, the fives, you know, whatever other numbers, it really helped to visually see those blocks, count the numbers, and then be taught. Because looking at it, like the number five on a piece of paper is very different than looking at the literal, like blocks of one, two, three, four, five, it helped more than anybody could imagine. Nice. And it's really that kind of going back to like the teachers being kind of caught off guard, but giving them some kind of 
preparatory program or something in order to know how to address those kind of questions because they're not always going to be standard and digging a little bit deeper because sometimes it isn't always the fault of the teacher. Sometimes it's common sense. Like some of the things you said, I was like, that's common sense. You shouldn't do that. And then other times it should be you know, I, I don't know how to do this and let's give them some resources so that kids can stay in the class and, and, you know, um, encourage that, that community and that environment that it's okay to ask for help, that it's okay to ask questions. You can't be right all the time. I would say that to my son all the time. He beats himself up. He doesn't want to say anything if he's wrong and he's not even struggling. I'm like, Hey, I have to ask for help every single day. It's okay. Like the Mm self-consciousness. It's feeling of always having to be right. And Mm -hmm. also that there's only one way to do things, you Mm -hmm. know, for some reason it's, and all the kids, is that right? Is that right? That's what they're asking is, is it the way you would want me to do it? And to get them out of that mindset that there's not just one way to do things Mm -hmm. and try to be okay with that. And mm-hmm. especially in the area of math, because there is an answer. It's the correct answer, but there's several mm-hmm. different ways to get there. Mm-hmm. And it's, and one approach isn't smarter than the other. It's just looking at it from a different angle. And so mm-hmm. that's what always fascinated me with how kids, and also your perseverance that you don't give up very easily because you've had to scratch and claw your way to every grade, to every percentage point that you get. And then when kids that are, it comes more naturally and easy to, they have a more difficult time coping in college, especially and trying to get things done because they don't know how to break things down. Like you've had to learn how to break them down. Mm-hmm. And that's always been interesting to me too. Yeah, that is one thing that I have come into contact with college is a lot of friends, a lot of students, when they're faced with professors saying that's wrong or kind of, you know, you know, giving them a run for their money. I don't know how to describe it. When that happens to me, I'm like, okay, I'll try better. I'll just, you know, I'll, I'll do better next time or, you know, I'll get it because I've done it my whole life. And, you know, you just gotta, like you said, persevere, work hard and everything will fall into place from there. So if you could give, looking back now, if you could give advice to any teacher who has a student who's struggling in their classroom with a learning disability or anything, what would it be? Yeah, and I would say this is kind of, you know, a corny little saying, but put yourself in their shoes because a child that is struggling it is probably an uphill battle to even build up the courage to ask for help or build up the courage to even speak to a teacher you know when I like I I said this earlier when I would ask for help it would kind of be a mind game like a devil and devil and an angel the devil saying you know don't ask for help you're stupid they they won't help you and then the angel saying ask for help, they'll help you, you know? And I think when a teacher is kind and approachable and just, like I said, puts themselves in the student's shoes, the rest will fall into place. You know, that's like a first step, just putting yourself into the student's shoes. 
Yeah, that's a part of that empathy piece that you were talking about, right? That you learned mm-hmm. so much about being empathetic, understanding somebody else's perspective. That's good. Mm-hmm. Perfect. All right. Well, I, I think, oh, sorry. I wish, that, I wish that there were more people. I, I really think this podcast is very important. This message needs to get out. It needs to get out not only to the kids themselves, but their parents too, because their parents are the ones that are helping them navigate through getting through school, which is a huge, huge deal, but with getting through school without crashing in on themselves, because once Mm -hmm. they do that, they just, they, they don't live their full potential in what they can do or feel brave enough to keep trying, even when they're being knocked down all the time. And so I just think it's a really great, and I'm just Thank you. And I appreciate you for opening up your heart and your history. I mean, I know that's not a very easy thing to do. So I think it's really going to help a lot of people. You know, it is easy when I know that it will help someone. And I just, I think every teacher should know that every word that they say, everything that they do in a classroom, say to a student, it sticks with them. Like I said, I still remember to the detail that story that I told earlier when I was in second or third grade about that sticky note. And it sticks with me. And it's so upsetting that I don't have a positive memory to associate with that teacher. I just have that really sad one. And, you know, any teacher listening, I just want them to know that, you know, I just, I want um other students in my place to have a positive experience and to learn and find their voice at a younger age than I did because if I had this voice as an elementary even middle schooler my whole path would have been completely different and I would never change it but I just truly feel like learning differences need to be seen as differences not disabilities they need to be seen as positives and superpowers because they really are superpowers you know they this disability has opened up so many doors and this is one door that it's opened up that I'm so appreciative for ah that's so well said that's so well well said yes you can and we appreciate you taking all of that time I know you're super busy right now especially (laughs) at the beginning of your semester taking the time to come and talk to us and share your story, super brave and going to be extremely helpful for families, um, parents, students, and, and we just love you because you're a great person. So we're just so happy <laughs> that you came to join us. Well, thank you so much for having me.